0: It's one of those topics that not a lot of people like to discuss, but it is important nonetheless. So, we're going to talk about the five stages of grief in relation to sight loss. And that's coming up today on episode number three of Life After Sight Loss Radio. Welcome, everyone, to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast that's all about helping you discover life after sight loss. My name's Derek Daniel. I'm your host and resident VIP, a.k.a. visually impaired person. Hey, if this is a return trip for you, welcome back to the program. And if you're new here, well, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews, life advice, encouragement, how-tos, and so much more, all to help individuals and families Going through physical sight loss. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're gonna have a great time, and uh, maybe it sounds weird having a great time talking about grief, but I, I think it's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be, uh, I don't know, informative or something. I don't know how entertaining necessarily it will be, but hey, the point is we're gonna talk about it because I think it's important enough to discuss on the podcast today. Before we do that, let me let you know. Let me let you know. uh, No edits. Let me tell you that you can find the show notes to this episode. All you got to do is go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash 003. That will get you links, information, everything I talk about in today's episode. All you got to do is go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash 003, and that'll give you the show notes. Like I said, we're going to talk about the five stages of grief and sort of talk about grief in general. But before we do that, let's jump into a little news and updates. There's hope on the horizon for people suffering from macular degeneration. Researchers are having good success with an artificial retina. Now, this came out a few years ago as something that would go on a pair of glasses, but now they're working on something to implement or implant right inside the eye. They're having good success with lab rats, although I feel sorry for those lab rats who don't know something's about to get shoved in their eye. <laughs> but the point is, uh, this could mean sight returning for those people suffering from things like MACD, or... Or macular degeneration. Obviously, it's a few years away, but the really cool thing is things like this with technology the way it is, they don't take decades anymore. They now take just a few years. So link over in the show notes. Apple has released a few new products, well, maybe less new products and more upgrades to their current line. They've got a new iPad. It's 9.7 inches. It's been upgraded to start at 32 gigs. And the best part is it starts out at $329, which is the cheapest iPad to date. It's got a new processor, and it seems like a very simple upgrade. However, if you're looking to get an iPad, this would be a great way to do it. They also released a new iPhone 7 and 7 Plus that is red on the back and white on the front to honor their 10-year partnership with Project Red, which helps with AIDS and HIV. And they've also got an update to the iPhone SE, which is basically the 6S in a iPhone 5 form factor. They've upgraded the storage, so now you can get up to 128 gigs inside of that little bitty phone. So if you're a fan of the iPhone 5 form factor... Pick up the iPhone SE. They've also come out with some new case colors and some new Apple Watch bands if you're interested in that. Also, they've made a sweeping update to all their software: TV OS, Watch OS, Mac OS, and of course, iOS as well. So if you've got an iPad, an Apple TV, a Watch, a Mac, whatever, you can update your software right now. And I've got links to all the information to that, of course, over in the show notes. And finally, there is a story out of New York where a restaurant is getting sued by a nonprofit profit organization that works for disability. Now, this is really interesting because this restaurant called Eatsa, E-A-T-S-A, is getting sued because they're not accessible. Now, let me tell you why this is so interesting. First of all, they've taken out the human interaction from going to a restaurant. That's right. You walk in and you order off of a tablet or off of a smartphone app. You go and you pay at a self-service payment doc thing, and it's probably an iPad or something of that nature, and then you go pick it up. You never have to talk to a person. You never have to see a person making your food. It completely takes the human interaction out of it. For some, maybe that's great. For me, I don't know. Let me just talk about it from a couple of viewpoints. First of all, should things be accessible? Absolutely. Absolutely. And from what I read from the article, it looks like they have iPads. So I assume They can make those features available. Maybe they just don't realize that they can turn it on or how to turn it on or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think it would probably be a simple fix, and I assume the restaurant will do their best to make things accessible. They were probably taken aback and didn't even realize what they needed to do, but that's the way it goes with accessibility. But my other point here is this whole lack of human interaction. It's like, wait a minute, is this what we're coming to? Because I think that food, at least going to a restaurant... That's that's part of it is human interaction. You go and you talk to a waiter, you go you talk to somebody behind the counter. I think it's the whole idea of going and talking to somebody like at a bar. You know, you share your feelings. Trust me, nothing opens up people like going and sitting in front of some food. You take them out to lunch and they will tell you their life story while eating their club sandwich. I don't know what it is, it just opens it up. And so human interaction I think is crucial to the whole eating experience. Now, maybe that's just me. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it should be accessible? Do you think the human interaction piece is, you know, good, bad? What's your thoughts on that, along with this and the other stories? Hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or send me an email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. So, like I said, it's one of those topics that people really don't like to discuss I mean, come on, who wants to sit around and say, hey, how are you grieving? Hey, you want to talk about grief and death and loss? Let's do it. Give me a cocktail. We'll have a great time at this party. I mean, nobody wants to do that, honestly. But it's so important to discuss and talk about because, again, it's something that we don't talk about, but it's something that we all deal with from time to time. So I thought it would be a good time to talk about grief and loss from the vantage point of sight loss. Now, before we begin, let me clarify how I'm approaching this. First of all, I'm a certified counselor and coach. I do have a bit of background with this, dealing with people in different situations. So I'm not a complete novice. And I've also had my own personal experiences with grief and loss throughout my life. And it's just the way that I have approached it and the things I've learned about it. That being said, you may disagree, you may not uh, like everything I say, and that's perfectly okay. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And as we go through this, you'll find that everybody's entitled to their own way of dealing with grief. Now, before I jump into the five stages, I want to share just a few things I've learned about grief as a whole. Now, again, these are my own personal opinions. This isn't from any documentation. This isn't from some medical book or anything like that. This is just my experience. This is just how I have viewed things and what I've learned. So just a few key items here. First of all, number one, grief is unpredictable. It's unpredictable. It hits you at any time, any place, for some reason, for no reason. It'll hit you a month after something happens. It'll hit you a decade after something happens. It's very unpredictable. And so people that say, I'm totally prepared for grief, uh, you can't always be prepared because it's very, very unpredictable. Number two, it's unwavering. It's unwavering. It hits you all the time. It's like relentless. It comes at you and comes at you. And just when you think you've fouled it off, it comes at you again. And so don't think that, it you know, I've hit it once and it's good and it's down. It is the opponent that seems to never stay down. It might stay down for a while and, and take the nine and a half count, but it'll come back up and try to hit you again. And that's not to say that We're going to grieve for the rest of our lives. That's just to say that it's one of those things that you can't just, you know, medicate once and think you're over it because it's unwavering. Number three, it's unique. It hits everybody differently You may experience grief one way and I experience it a completely different way. Maybe you stay in bed all day. Maybe you want to eat a bunch of sandwiches. Maybe you want to go work out. Whatever the case may be, that's how you deal with grief. It's very, very unique to each individual person, as unique an individual as the circumstances that people are going through. Even if you're going through sight loss and I'm going through sight loss, we have a unique way of going through it, a unique circumstance to cause our sight loss, and a unique way that we deal with our grief. And finally, number four, it's universal. It hits everyone, doesn't matter your race, gender, your age, doesn't matter your class, doesn't matter uh, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're old, it doesn't matter, it's universal. It hits every single person at some point in your life. And that's not to be all doom and gloom, that's just to say it is going to hit you at some point. So remember, one, it's unpredictable, two, it's unwavering, three, it's unique, and four, it's universal. Now, the five stages of grief, I want to make sure that we understand when we talk about these five stages that... It is not, I'm not suggesting that these are the five stages and if you don't go through these, then you're a terrible person or whatever. They're simply uh, an overview. They're like a framework. They are a 30,000 feet look at grief. The people that came up with them want to make sure they're not misunderstood. I've got a quote over in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 003 from grief.com. And it's a long quote. I'm just gonna read you one sentence out of it. I think it's really interesting. This was written by a person who worked, Works uh, with the people that comes up with the five stages. And it says this quote, they, meaning the five stages, they are tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling. Again, they are tools to help us frame and identify what we may be feeling. Now, that quote really sums things up for me. They're not to say, oh, are you going through this right now? How are you going through it? They're not linear necessarily. They're not supposed to be, uh, this is exactly how grief works. They're just a framework. They help us identify how and what we're feeling. They're just tools in the toolbox. So as we go through them, keep that in mind. And just as a quick overview, the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, and depression, and acceptance. That's the classic five stages of grief. You've probably heard those stages before. And so again, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I'm going to go through each one here just as a reference to sight loss and how it might work when you lose your sight. So first of all, we have denial. Now, denial is one of those things, it's it's not just a river in Egypt, as they say. Everybody seems to go through this, and you can go through it at first, you can go through it in the middle, you can go through it any time. I can remember with my own sight loss, man, it was like, oh nope, it's coming back. It's gonna be fine, and even if it's not coming back, it will not affect my life at all. I will live exactly the same way. I will not have to worry about anything, I will not have to deal with emotions and feelings. Oh, I will deny, deny, deny and everybody seems to have that moment. I've I've seen many people say, no, I'm doing great. Everything's great. And uh, what, have you talked to anybody? No, I don't need to talk to anybody. Maybe you see a counselor or something. No, I don't need a counselor because I'm doing great. Uh, people with faith, <laughs> I found, and I'm a person of faith myself. I, I grew up in a Christian background. I, you know, I'm a pastoral counselor and I found that many times people of faith are like, it's okay. I'm going to pray more and God's going to do great things and I'm going to be fine. And that may be true, but <laughs> it's like, oh, you might be denying this. I'm not sure. And so you have to really be careful. And what you also have to be careful of too is denial can look like really positive confidence. Positive confidence can be like, you know what? This will not hold me back. I will move forward in my life. I'll take those next steps. I'll live a full life. And that can be great and positive and courageous can also be denial. And so you really have to watch, watch your loved ones, watch yourself in that. So denial, the first stage, I think we all hit it. We all have those moments where we deny what's really going on. The next stage is anger look, you know those people that get really angry all the time. They're angry people. They're just full of rage and they want to punch somebody in the face. But anger doesn't always come out like that. It could be uh, hurt feelings like I'm, I'm really annoyed. I'm really offended. And that can make you angry instead of calling it anger because that sounds I'm not going to be angry. You call it uh, I'm offended or I'm hurt or whatever the case may be. Now, you can really be hurt. Don't get me wrong. Anger isn't always hurt and hurt isn't always anger, but it can come out in different ways. And so just because you're not... punching somebody in the face doesn't mean you're not angry. Everybody deals with anger a little bit differently. Um, And if you don't deal with it, trust me, it'll deal with you. It'll come out at some point when you're screaming at the person behind the counter for not getting your chicken sandwich right. And all of a sudden you're like, what the heck am I doing? They're like weeping, you know, because they put mayonnaise on your sandwich and they weren't supposed to put mayonnaise on your sandwich. And oh my gosh, if they just listened when I ordered, then this wouldn't be a problem. and, And then that person's weeping behind the counter. So anger can come out at a lot of different times in a lot of different ways. And if you're, in that mode of anger, gosh, it can really be dangerous and damaging to relationships and to yourself. So deal with the anger. Not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry. I'm saying you have to deal with it appropriately. So just watch and make sure that your anger isn't damaging to those around you or to yourself for that matter. The next stage is bargaining. This is that movie scene where people are like, God, if you'll fix me or if you'll get me out of this, I'll do anything you want. I'll be a good person. And we try to trade something for the pain that we're going through. Or we try to trade something for the situation that we're in. And this can get down that spiritual route, that mystic route, whatever the case is. And a lot of times bargaining can actually look like, you know what, if I do better, if I live better. Because we want to answer that proverbial question of why? Why did this happen to me? And so we start coming up with answers like, okay, I was a bad person. I, I, I cut that guy off in traffic or I cussed out that waitress or I did bad things or I punched my friend or whatever. And we start to say, okay, if I hadn't done these bad things, I wouldn't be punished like this because we assume it's some sort of punishment, some mystic universal punishment for our lifestyle. And you know what? It's simply not. But in the bargaining stage, we oftentimes try to trade off and say, you know what, I'll do better. I'll live better. I'll I'll treat people better. I'll speak better. I'll do whatever I need to do to get rid of this sight loss situation. And what we're saying is this really hurts and I'm trying to avoid it at all cost. Uh, denial bargaining start to hit together in this stage and, and it can just really be a hard thing to go through when you're in the bargaining stage. Everybody seems to go through it at some point, and it looks different for everybody, but everybody seems to hit that bargaining stage. The next stage is called depression. Now, depression is a very just general word that's used. It can look like general malaise. It can look like sadness. It can look like tears. It can look like staying in bed all day. It can look like a lot of different things. And it can be a stage that tends to linger. Uh, I will say up front that if you feel like it's lingering for weeks and months at a time, you might want to see a professional, obviously. uh, Somebody in your area, a pastor, a therapist, a counselor, something of that nature. But it can be something where you can just be sad A few days. It can be something where you don't get out of bed. It can be a lot of different things. Depression looks a a lot of different ways. Uh, It can be very low lows. It can, you know, and depression doesn't mean you're sad all the time. It can be low lows and high highs. It can be just a lot of different things. And so I encourage you to make sure that you're paying attention to yourself. Make sure that you're listening to the loved ones around you because if depression comes on, it can be hard to kick. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we need medication to help us over the hump. Sometimes we need uh, counseling or therapy to give us over that hump. Sometimes we just need to admit that we're depressed to get us over that hump. And again, since depression can look a lot of different ways, it probably would be good to speak to someone about it. I'm not saying you have to pay $150 an hour for a therapist for the rest of your life. I'm just saying sometimes we need that little bit of uh to get over the hump. And when you're in depression, it's really hard to say, "Let's go talk to somebody about my feelings." I understand, I get it, but we all go through that. I think at some point in our lives. So make sure that you're paying attention. That if depression has come on, you're doing a uh, as good a job as you can do in that situation to move forward and not sit. Now, sometimes it's good just to sit and just to remain and sit in the mud. But sometimes. We got to get back out of it. So pay attention if you're feeling a bit depressed. And the last stage is acceptance. Now, I say the last stage. Remember, it's not necessarily linear. So it's not like, oh, I've reached acceptance and I'm good now. That's not necessarily the case. Acceptance is one of those things where we say, you know what? This is my life. I am blind. I am visually impaired. I am legally blind. I can remember I wrote a blog post uh, on my website and I can remember the first time I heard the word blind. And it was like, what? blind? I'm, I'm going blind? You know, because again, I was in the denial stage. I was like, no, everything's fine. And so ad- admitting and accepting the fact that we're visually impaired helps us to move forward because it's like, you know what? I am visually impaired. I'm going to have to learn how to do things differently. I'm not going to be able to cross the road the same way. I'm not going to be able to use my phone the same way. I'm not going to be able to interact with people the same way. And accepting that and understanding there's nothing wrong with that you know, that that can be really freeing. Now, I'm not suggesting that you'll accept it and then you'll never experience anything else bad or sad in your life. And I don't mean anything else apart from sight loss. I mean anything else dealing with the sight loss. You might experience denial again or anger again or bargaining again or depression again. Just because you do doesn't mean that it's bad. The acceptance stage is just that moment when you can say, yes, I'm visually impaired and... Now I can learn how to be visually impaired and how to live my life as a visually impaired person. So those are the five stages of grief. Now, one of the questions that people do tend to ask is, when is it over? Am I ever not grieving? Am I ever like good to go and I'll never be sad again? I don't think so. I'm not saying you're going to grieve forever and every day is going to be terrible, but you're going to have days. You're going to have days when it's sad, when it's hard, when it's like, oh, I wish I could just get over this. Or you're going to have days when you want to punch somebody. You're going to have days when you don't want to get out of bed. You're going to have those days, and those days may last for a while, especially at first. But not just at first. There may be a few years and all of a sudden... You just don't want to get back out of bed, and you don't know why. Well, again, remember, grief's unpredictable, and sometimes it comes on, and you don't know why, and you don't understand it, and there's not always a grand, great reason. You know, the day that you got diagnosed with something might be a hard day in the future, but it could be any old random day, and you're having struggles with it. Maybe you go, and you do something, and it's hard because you're visually impaired, and of course, that day might be hard, but it might be another random day where nothing happens, and it's a great day, and you're just sad. So remember that grief is one of those things that can hit you anytime, anywhere, for any reason or for no reason at all. And just be encouraged that, you know what, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And remember that if it takes a lifetime to sort of, quote, get over grief, hey, you got a lifetime to live anyway, right? So why not live it to the fullest, knowing that if you're dealing with grief today, it's okay Grief is not the end of the world. It is simply your opportunity to deal with the real feelings, to get the framework and identify what you're going through. And I encourage you to do that as much as you can because it'll help you move forward in your journey of sight loss. Hey, I want to end today with my real-life retweet. It's a little quote or something to give you Uh, to ponder here at the end of the podcast. And today, our quote comes from somebody named Tessa Schaefer. She wrote a book called Heaven Has No Regrets. And so her quote is really interesting. It says this, quote, You're the only one who can survive your story, the only one who can write your future. All you've got to do when you're ready is stand up and begin again, end quote. I really like that because... The idea that you're the only one that can survive your story is really interesting to me. I think it's interesting because hey, all, a lot of us have sight loss issues, but none of us have sight loss the way you have sight loss. None of us have lost it the way you've lost it. Now, even if somebody has the same thing you have, you know, even if you have macular degeneration and somebody else has macular degeneration, they've not lost it like you. Because your eyes are different, your life is different, your experiences are different, and the way that you are personally is different. And so you're the only one that will survive your story because you're the only one that's living your story. And I like what she says that all you've got to do, quote, when you're ready is to stand up and begin again. Now, I think she might be talking about loss of a loved one here, but I think it applies to sight loss because we begin again. We start over, you know, we we do something that is hard and it helps us do the next thing that is hard as well. So keep that real life retweet in mind. And of course, you can find that over in the show notes and tweet that out as well. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Here at the end, there's a couple of things I'd love for you to do if you can. Number one, I'd love for you to give a rating and review in iTunes if you'd be so kind. Rating and reviews don't necessarily help us climb up the ranks, but they do help other people who find the podcast to know that real people are listening and this is what they think. And you can be honest. Most people say, give us a five-star rating. You know what? Give us whatever rating, give me whatever rating you want. Uh, If you love it, great. If you don't, you know, whatever rating is honest because that's what we want. So go over to iTunes and give a rating and review. I would so appreciate it. And while you're on the World Wide Web, I'd love for you to go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact and get in touch with me in a variety of ways, Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever the case is. I'd love to hear your story. Do you have a story of grief? Do you have a way that you cope with it? Do you have ways that you overcome it? Whatever the case may be, I'd love to hear from you. Lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope it was encouraging, entertaining, informative. I hope you learned some things about the five stages of grief in relation to sight loss. And remember that we all go through grief in a variety of ways and for a variety of reasons, not least of which is sight loss. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to hit that play button and stick around all the way to the end of this podcast episode. Don't forget... You can find the show notes for this episode over at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 003. That'll get you links, information, and all the things I talked about in today's episode. Again, thank you so much. My name is Derek Daniel, and until next time, I hope you guys have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time.